please be advised. Spoiler alert episode. Spoiler. Please be advised. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Hello? Yeah, I raised my own volume like that. I started with a creepy whisper, and now we're at a real voice. Ladies and gentlemen. You're going to get fired from the show. Can you do a creepy whisper? <laughs> a creepy whisper gets me fired from the show? Oh, wow. It's that The climate's that bad? Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah, it's just now, now it's creepy whispers. You get fired from an episode. Just a show. creepy whisper? Yeah, it was it. more like a haunted. It wasn't like a yeah. sex creepy. Uh, it doesn't matter now. Oh, totally. Rosie's yeah. offended. Oh, my God. All right. You're my witness. I'm a white male. She's a minority lady, so I'm guilty. Um, hey, Rosie. Uh, welcome to Comedy Film Nerds episode. Spoiler episode. Spoiler episode 70. Oh, the big 7-0. Yeah, it's, uh, and the disaster artist. This is a movie we were looking forward to. We want. We're gonna get all into it. And we've got a super fan with we've us. We've got a super, super, su- <laughs> super fan. That's Rosie Tran, everybody. Um, real quick up top, if you're new to the spoiler app, so I know we have to do this every time, but we're gonna talk about the entire movie, the ending, uh, key elements of the movie. So if you have not seen it and you don't want it ruined for you, press pause, go watch the movie, and come back. Um, you might have to watch both movies for this one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the reason we're doing the uh, the disaster artist spoiler app is Rosie texted me like a month ago and was like, Graham, I want to do a disaster artist spoiler app. And I was like, uh, okay. Like, <laughs> I didn't think, usually we get somebody like, I want to talk about Thor, Ragnar, some big blockbuster. And it's Jackie. And it's Jackie Cage. Yeah. It's almost always Jackie. Um, so Rosie, you you the, saw this come across your, your, your uh, computer and went, I'm in. I'm in. Okay, this is what happened. So I was at LA Podfest with supporting my friend uh, Yoshi. He was on one of your panels. You've and done. I, we had out of the box in the festival. I think two years ago. Yes, and um, so I was there supporting and watching. And you were prepping for comedy film nerds, and you played the um, the trailer for the Disaster Artist. And I was like, Graham, what is that? And you're like, it's about the movie The Room. I was like, what are you talking about? And you're like, The Room. And I felt so stupid. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what he's talking about. So I went home, and my husband had also seen a weird, like, disaster artist room video on Vox talking about how The Room is the greatest, worst movie of all time. And I was like, why don't we know what this is? So he surprised me and bought it online. And we watched. I literally had no idea what the movie was about. I knew nothing. Of you never I... remember those billboards on Highland Avenue. Where... I did, but I didn't put two and two together. Ah, okay. So I remember the billboards, the giant billboards. And, and let's I... back up. Where's the only place you could buy the DVD? On TommyWiseau.com or right. on the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> like the <Tommy> Wiseau. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So I had no you idea. You and your husband are perfect. <laughs> so I had no idea what I was getting into, and. I just knew a couple things. I heard worst movie of all time, you know, a couple things here and there. And the preview that I saw while I was watching you set up for comedy film nerds. I have to say it's in my top 10 movie favorite movies of all time now. That's what everyone says. Like, it's one right. of those things. And at the beginning of the movie, they do this really cool thing. I thought they interview like like Kevin Smith and other like famous. J.J. Act- Abrams. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All talking about. I mean, the, if you didn't know what they were talking about, you're like, oh, they're talking about The Godfather or something right? like that. Yeah. The, way, the way they describe this movie, they're like, you could never, 
make this movie if you tried to. Right. You could never mm-hmm. duplicate it. I, it. It was inadvertent lightning in a bottle. Yeah. I actually don't think it's a bad movie because afterwards I analyzed it. I like took a deep like inner soul journey and I was like, is this actually a bad movie? What is the purpose of a movie? To entertain? I was entertained. Right. To make, you know, it, it to make me laugh. I laughed nonstop. <laughs> like I couldn't <laughs> stop. I was giggling like a little schoolgirl on, you know, high on weed for the first time. I was like, this is so funny. So... I felt like it accomplished all of the things that movies are supposed to accomplish. I don't know if there's a, a modern comedy with a blockbuster star like Jim Carrey or Adam Sandler that I laughed as hard as right. I laughed at Tommy right. Wiseau. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. And it's it's true. Like, okay, so his intention was not... To make a comedy. To make a comedy. <laughs> but... But... Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> I mean, it I think... It succeeds as it's one. It's funny. It's like, you, I remember the movie, the first Wes Anderson film... Um, bottle rocket mm-hmm. now it's not as crazy of a story as the room but they it's were not, writing yeah. the script wes anderson and owen wilson and they're like oh these guys and they're gonna break into this thing and they're gonna steal 230 bucks or whatever and they're on the <laughs> lamb and they were writing like a serious heist movie and then they mm-hmm. went back and read initially and they just both started laughing they're like well this <laughs> is ridiculous they wanted to be these like serious gritty filmmakers mm-hmm. and they were like well this is preposterous and that's why bottle rocket is so hilarious and has so much heart to it is they were the initial intention was to be this like <laughs> gritty dark gritty yeah, yeah. crime yeah. drama I mean these guys, these guys with these dilemmas and these and all of Anderson films are comedies now like I can't imagine I don't think he's done a serious film right as far as drama serious drama is no. Wes Anderson yeah uh, well you know the thing the about his, comedy the, the like, thing about he what he does is he mixes the two. So you've got really poignant moments, and That's true. you've That's also true. in like these quirky comedy films. Well, like Rushmore or dark comedy, dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Rushmore right. has some like heart-filled moments. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so does the. I'm blanking on the name of it. The one that came out maybe four or five years ago about the kids in the summer camp. I'm blanking on the name. Something. Oh, Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise oh, Kingdom. Yeah, yes. There's yeah. some like wow. That's an amazing script too. You know, when, when you just listen to every oh, single word. The scene where written, the boy yeah. is like. Um, I think the girl feels slighted and he's like I'm on your side it's just this like mm-hmm. oh <laughs> like that's all anyone wants to hear you know what I mean there are a lot there's like parental in, in some of his movies there's like parental and there's like relationship and all sorts of you know like I, I like um like I don't like all his movies like but even when I don't like a movie there's still interesting things in it like right. uh, like and sometimes I like the ones that other people didn't like as much, like uh, <laughs> like the Darjeeling Limited, the one like on the train. One. Yeah, I really liked that one, and that one like did not do well mm-hmm. at all. I think the last few didn't do well, but mm-hmm. he always has something very very interesting. But, well, uh, let's do our ad read. Let's do our ad read. Let's before we get into yeah before we get into com yes and how they fulfill. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by Warby Parker. Warby Parker glasses, a new concept in eyewear, and you get a free home try on program. Order five pairs of glasses, try them on for five days. There is no obligation to buy. Ships free and includes a prepaid shipping label. So, uh, but here's the thing, War- Warby Parker, they, um, they're like a lot of these new companies where they wanted to kind of basically disrupt the industry with cheaper mm-hmm. glasses. They said, you know, glasses shouldn't cost as much as an iPhone. 
and you know they do you go into a glasses store and they're really expensive so um they wanted to make glasses buying glasses online easy and risk-free and but there's you know there are a lot of questions like well wait what what about the prescription how do i get that in there you know you can email it you can give them your doctor information they'll actually get contact the doctor for you if you want so there's different ways to actually get your prescription over there but they start at 95 dollars. that's a fantastic deal yeah and uh, all you have to do is go to warbyparker.com slash comedy film nerds to order your free home try-on today. That's warbyparker.com slash comedy film nerds. Free home try-ons today. It's a cool thing. They have a Warby Parker store actually on uh, Abbott Kinney in Venice Beach. Mm-hmm. So you could, like that that was cool to see it. But then this, if you're not close to a store, they'll send you the stuff. And this is the new trend, and it's, it's a good one, of companies doing what Warby Parker's doing where you send it, try it. Free shipping if you if it doesn't work for right. you, you know, mm-hmm. so you don't have to. You can do it all in the. And for every pair you buy, a pair is just dist- is distributed to someone in need. So they're also oh, they're a charitable nice. company too. That's awesome. So, so check them out, Warby Parker. All right. So now let's get into it. Oh, so, Graham, I didn't answer your question. So after all of that, then I texted you and I said, Graham. I need to be involved. (laughs) (laughs) So after you you and your husband watched it at home, you were like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I had, so I had an extremely positive experience with The Room and I know we're here for the disaster artist, but then I had an extremely negative one. So I was so excited about it. I wanted to share it with my friends. So we have a couple friends that are like our best friends and we're like, they're going to love this. I invited them over. It was the most awkward hour and a half. They like seriously like... They're foreign. They're not from this country. I guess I didn't take into account that that and Neither affects. is Tommy. I know, but... They- <laughs> He's from New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Easy the Bayou. He's from the He's Bayou. from the Bayou. <laughs> they, they were like, what is this softcore porn that you're showing us? Like, they had this horrified look on their face the entire hour and a half, and we were just sitting there on the couch looking at them, and they looked horrified. <laughs> oh, that's awful. And was so they it, just was like- it your parents? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Very funny. So they were just thought like, oh, Rosie and her husband just are some weird, this is like a I weird think, swingers. Yeah, I think they yeah, like thought some we were. weird swinger video oh, that they're watching. Oh, they're trying to get you in. It was Do you guys want to try new things? Yeah. Uh-oh. Put because your keys if, in the bowl. If you, don't, <laughs> if you don't realize, there's actually like four or five really long sex scenes. And it could, it it was awkward. We were la- we're like guys, it's a comedy. Like we were laughing, and they just had this look of horror on their face the entire time. I was like, oh. And you haven't heard from them since, right? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, we've heard from them, but they they definitely looked shocked and horrified. <laughs> <laughs> what was there like the next day where they're just like, wow, dinner was great. Like they just <laughs> never mentioned the movie. I mentioned. I said, hey guys, you know it's really it's absurd comedy. Like I'm sorry if you guys. They're like, oh, it was okay. Like you yeah. could just tell they were just horrified. <laughs> God, you. That's when you go. I wish I could have heard the car ride home. Right. You know what I mean? Just like, what is Rosie and their husband doing? What are they doing? Well, I thought they were our friends. I know. The this is so. Are, the sex scenes are so long. Like, if you, Tommy really wanted <laughs> oh, <laughs> to show that cheddar, you know, that cottage cheese butt of his. <laughs> oh God. Okay, disaster hunter. Sorry, I, um, I digress. <laughs> no, it's all. It's all. It's all relatable. So then. T- tell us, because you went to, didn't you go to a, a special screening where he spoke or something I like did. that? I, I did. I did a crazy disaster artist uh, room weekend. So Saturday night, I went to the midnight screening at Landmark. He showed up. Um, he kind of looked a little Michael Jackson-esque, actually. He had the full pale makeup on. And um, he spoke. He said thanks to everyone. He did a Q&A. 
pretty much everyone tried to ask him the four questions that he refuses to answer. Where are you from? How old are you? How right. old are you? A couple of people asked him how his sex life was. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? He said, oh, wonderful. I have sex every single day, every minute, every hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a total Tommy answer. Oh, Tommy, you're so, 75. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they asked him where, you know, he's, how old he was. He said, who cares? Next question. <laughs> <laughs> right. So he was he was awesome. He's he's a funny guy by accident. Oh, yeah. Right. That's, right. And I think <laughs> in getting into the movie now, like, I think that's the thing that James Franco did such a fantastic job. He of. channeled him. He channeled. It was yeah. great. He mm-hmm. was great. And Tommy at the screening said he actually um, totally supports the movie. And he said it's not it's accurate. We asked him, we said, is it an accurate portrayal of you? And he said, 99.9 percent accurate. And we're like, well, what's accurate? And he just said he didn't like the way James Franco threw the football. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. But he said it was ninety nine point nine percent accurate, and and he has said that Wait. the book, The Disaster Artist, is not. He said it's only forty percent accurate. So I don't know. Really? If him, yeah, him and Greg Sistro got into a huge fight after Greg wrote the book, and they their friendship broke up, and they were not in speaking terms. And Greg was the oh. Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but they uh, they have since they've uh, reconciled. Reconciled. Right. They've since reconciled, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, so he he said, you know, book only 40% accurate, but he said that the film was 99.9% accurate. Wow, which is not true for any biopic. <laughs> no, no, that's the best percentage yeah, that's yeah, ever yeah, happened yeah. in any biopic ever. Uh, well, that's the thing that was so amazing to me, and I, and I was like, James Franco and his producing partner, Vince Jolivet, uh, actually knew both of them. I studied with them at Playhouse West mm-hmm. in the Valley. And to see what James Franco did here was you're playing a guy that is being hilarious that doesn't know it. Right. He's not trying to be funny. He's just, yeah. <laughs> He's just so out there. He's, He's a character that, that looks like somebody wrote. Exactly. It's like, yeah. this is, if you, if you didn't know this. You would it, think he wasn't real, like not right. a real person. Like, right. If you, right. Don't you, talk <laughs> about my money or my car. Right. You know, like things like like that. Like what? You'd be like what? bullshit. Yeah. In this day and age, mm-hmm. everyone would know who he is. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Like you wouldn't believe. Don't dog would, about me. You wouldn't <laughs> believe it. But then you see this movie, and again, the best worst movies are always made by people who are so sincere. Have like, passion. They have such a passion, and they just don't understand how movies are made at all. Right, and it doesn't stop them. It doesn't stop them at all. It's like you watched that movie, I think it was, was it Miami Ninjas? <laughs> Where it's this Taekwondo studio in the 80s or 90s. Uh, it's the Miami Connection. The Miami Connection, right. It's the Miami, Miami Con- Ninjas sounds better, I it's, think. It's, yeah, that would have been a good rewrite. Miami Connection is another movie that's like, wow. And who and you find out who made it. It was this Taekwondo studio that were like, we should make a movie. No <laughs> plots, nothing <laughs> making sense. You know what I mean? People just show up for no reason, and then it's right. like a fight scene has to happen. It's just like they just wanted to show off their moves. All right, right now I have to watch, watch Taekwondo Connection or whatever. Taekwondo <laughs> Connection. Or <laughs> Miami That's Connection. That's the prequel. <laughs> um, Every single title so far is better than the actual yeah. title that has been mentioned. Miami Connection is. And again, it's that same thing. You knew at the time they were like, yeah, like we're doing something here. You know what I mean? And that's the sincerity and the craziness. I love it. Look, I haven't made a movie. I haven't written, directed, acted, and starred in a movie. So I I know so many people make fun of him and say he's, you know, whatever. He's crazy. He's a quirky character. And I know you guys aren't. You guys are being so light about it. But some people are like, oh, it's the worst movie of all time. He sucks. He's horrible. He's an idiot. 
I haven't made and directed a movie and acted and starred and written in one. I don't know if I made one if it would turn well, out worse. Than now, me. to be fair, do you have a uh, small fortune sitting in a bank account that you could just a miscellaneous <laughs> small fortune yeah, yeah, that nobody yeah. knows? Nobody knows where the money comes from. Yeah, or how much is in there? I mean, there's one scene with Seth Rogen where, and this, by the way, this would never happen. As a, oh yeah, uh, the, the bank, bank teller, teller goes, yeah. oh yeah, this account's a bottomless pit or whatever. That's he says. confidential like, information. Yeah, yeah, you You're not never, sharing bank information. I think it would. I wouldn't be surprised if it did actually happen that way. Yeah. Ninety-nine percent accurate, guys. Because <laughs> the world is, you know, it is it is crazy, mm-hmm. and but Tommy Wiseau's crazy. The Tommy fact Wiseau's, that he made a film. Tommy Wiseau's crazy. So why wouldn't a bank guy just be like? Everyone at the bank would just be like, "This guy, this well, what the fuck with this guy?" Now for real, like, come on. And you really like when you watch what like the sequence of events, you go, "Well, that can't have happened," and it did. It did. Like like oh well, we don't rent equipment. No, we want to buy everything, and we want to buy both a film and a digital camera and shoot. <laughs> On both at the same time. I mean, uh, but here's the most surprising thing. Like, even with all those things, I'm like, well, they still probably couldn't have spent that much money on this movie. I mean, uh, when you look at like what, what, yeah, when when you look at what showed up, uh, you know, as the final product, six million dollars. Well, the thing that I loved about the movie, so they they did such a great, they'd say like, uh, shooting day one of forty, right. And then it was like 50 of 40. Yeah, it was like yeah. 52 of 40, yeah. 58 of 40. We went over budget. And you and the thing I loved about it was why I I believe it to be true and hearing that Tommy said that at your screening that you went to Rosie that it was 99.9% accurate. We've all been on shoots where the people in charge didn't know what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is a cluster. Everyone thinks they can make a movie and they can't. Right. And it is a clusterfuck and so you go, "Oh, I see why this these guys who don't know what they're doing walk to the studio and they're like, do you want to rent the equipment or do you want to buy it? We, we, we want to buy. And it's like, and then the two, Hannibal Burris and I forget the other comic who played the, the two guys. Oh, Gerald Carmichael. Gerald Carmichael. Yeah. Um, who played the... Uh, the other actor or something like that. The, the, well, no, the two guys... The owners that, of the uh, uh, oh, I don't know equipment the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, so it was uh, Hannibal Burris and this other comic and they're the, they own the equipment house and the soundstage and they have this quick conversation. They're like... Do they have the, if he has the money, <laughs> if he has we'll the be, money, yeah, he has the money. All right, and they're like, sure, you can buy. And it's like, we want to buy, you know. <laughs> and that was amazing. And then the, again, this the Seth Rogen scene where he goes to the bank, where he's just like, <laughs> he's done that thing that we've all done. Is this gonna clear? And I don't think this check mm, is yes. gonna clear. <laughs> but all right, and because that's crazy show business. And when the guy clears, he was like, what? So not yeah. to toot my own horn, but I was in a movie. Um, with little people and also um so who's the basketball player that is friends with Kim Jong-un Dennis Rodman Rodman. Rodman. with Dennis Rodman and that happened to me and my check did not clear yeah of course (laughs) that happens all the time (laughs) so my Dennis Rodman movie check did not clear but Tommy Wiseau's checks cleared yeah they did and that's why I that's why I I Maybe I just want to believe that that bank scene is true because yeah. I believe the guy goes in there and says, wow, I didn't think this was going to clear yeah. at all. And the teller just goes, oh, no, man. Yeah. Six million dollars. Six. That, the, so that means that he's worth more than six million. Of course. Because, that was so just he's got to be like film. 20, 30 million if that because he just threw it like a like it was nothing like it was to drop nothing. in the hat. Right. He, oh, he's got to be worth. I mean, even more. Or there must be a steady stream coming in. Like, is it drug money from the <laughs> Russian mob or like what? New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. The New Orleans mafia. Does, does he own Warsaw in Poland yeah, or like, something? <laughs> yet? Uh, he's here, an eccentric he, millionaire. Here's the other thing I found out. Um, you know that billboard on how uh, on Highland mm-hmm. uh, Avenue? Five thousand dollars a week 
Really? $5,000 a week. It was up for years. It was up for years. years. Yeah. I never knew what it was. I would see it and I was like, what is that? That's 250 yeah. grand a year. Yeah. Yeah, just for the billboard for, the for a billboard. movie that wasn't showing anywhere. <laughs> like cuz it would only do It would only do the cost of earbuds. It would only do special <laughs> screenings. Yeah. Like like it would do the special screenings and then uh but then the billboard never went away. It was there, well, you know, for years. To be fair to defend the Tommy By the I, way, you know, uh, it it worked though. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but that's the thing. That, I mean, that, that's the point. And Ro- the, the point that you made, Rosie, is like we can sit there. Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. But it worked. It, it worked. worked. It doesn't matter. It, right. it, not just that, but okay. So will it ever work again? <laughs> no. 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 no, no. <laughs> ever. Ever. He'll never be able to do this yeah. again. No one will. I, this I, is it. This I is a do, once in a once in a lifetime one okay, person. So thing. I do want to defend the Tommy though, because one of the criticisms of the film is that many many scenes, maybe I would I'm making a random guess, maybe about forty percent of the scenes are out of focus. Okay, so that's one of the uh, the complaints about him. But he did pay and hire a professional cast and, and crew. So shouldn't the crew, who was an equipment-owning crew, a production company, is that Tommy's fault? No. 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 The, no ca- it's the camera actually. operator's yeah. fault. If the camera operator wouldn't focus the thing. Well, now, this could have to do with, uh, now I'm just speculating here, <laughs> is that uh, when they chose to shoot on both film and on digital, they both need to be lit differently. <laughs> so if one was lit for one and it was being recorded on the other camera, <laughs> there might yes. have been a focus issue. That's <laughs> true. That's true, Chris. I, well, so, so let's get into the details. The details of the film. Overall, I I obviously I really like this movie. It got a. It was fun. It was was a fun. It was a blast. Mm -hmm. I was in an audience that was mostly the college age kids that go to these midnight screenings because one of them is in Westwood, you know. Right. Um, And everyone was laughing and having a blast, and uh, where it slowed down a little bit for me is when the. And again, I'm nitpicking here. I'm nitpicking. The movie's a blast. If you haven't seen it, you don't have to know anything about the room. It's a blast. Although it helps, I think it, it helps. It definitely a lot. helps. It yeah, definitely I think helps. It helps a lot. And I think it's such an LA thing because the like, and they even they even he waves at this isn't the actual Angeline, but there's a woman in a pink car that just waves right. at him, and that's 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 such a when you first moved to LA. There's I this thought lady I was going to see Dennis yeah. Woodruff's car. Yeah, I yeah, know. We didn't see that. They should have put Dennis Woodruff's <laughs> car in there, but literally that billboard, Angeline, and actor Dennis Woodruff were such a thing. If you moved here in like the late nineties, or nineties, right. or too early, still around. I, I seen know. her on the freeway. I saw her on the one hundred and one, like maybe within the last year. Still in the pink Corvette. Pink Corvette. Mm-hmm. I, I saw her one time in person. She looks a lot more haggard, though. No. <laughs> How old is she? Is she older than Tommy? Oh, she's got to be older than Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's got to be. What, I'm surprised 70? Tommy didn't put her in the movie, in the room, the original right. the room. Mm-hmm. She seems like a perfect the room character. I want to cast real actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so so the one scene where it did slow down is when Mark moves out and they sort of have their breakup. Right. A little bit. I was like, okay, and but maybe that. I don't know, because it almost seemed like, so Tommy's in love with him or something? That's the thing I did not get, because I felt like there was a sexual vibe that Tommy had on him, but they never, uh, or Mark, Mark um, Garcia's character, but I never, I, I, don't, I don't think he's gay. I, I think what, I think what it, that scene was trying to portray is that uh, Tommy doesn't have a lot of friends felt betrayed right yeah, yeah. and he Betrayal. had the one friend that he had was moving out and now and this is the one that he brought down from san francisco with him so he felt betrayed like uh like that he was picking the girl over him so right. i think that's that's kind of what they were 
they were trying to show in that scene. Um, I want to know if people were really laughing at the first movie premiere. Oh, they had to. Have they been. had to have been. Yeah. I think. I think especially if you're. Sh- I, th- I would love to talk to someone that was actually at that one, but I find that you're in L.A. Everyone here works in the entertainment industry in some capacity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think this this audience, the, the L.A. audience, is way more film savvy than than right. most. Just because the premieres are here, you know somebody. Even well, if yeah. you don't work in show business, you know Even someone. if you're like an accountant right. or something, you yes. have at least 10 friends that are in you the know. entertainment yes. and, they, and you've gone to some free screenings. Right. And, yeah. and I, I'll tell you, it's, uh, you know, the Franco brothers, they really look like these characters, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they really look like the real people. Like, he looked like Greg, he looked like Tommy. That Like, you could tell time was spent into um, not only setting up like the world, like what you're saying, like everyone's in the business and you know everyone's in Hollywood talking about the industry or whatever, but uh, there was a, a lot of attention to detail in this movie, which I really liked. I noticed that too, yeah. From everything from you know the recreation of the scenes to what the um, the main characters actually looked like, even from like you know all the weird. <laughs> chains and belts that uh you know that that Tommy would wear that uh hashtag true he was wearing two very large belts yep. when I met him that that, that James Franco <laughs> you know he was wearing and like all that was recreated like uh so you could tell this was a passion project for for uh, James Franco. Yeah, and, and and for all the right reasons because sometimes mm-hmm. a big celebrity goes oh I want to you know and their their passion for it is just. This was a fun passion project. Oh, it was great. He, yeah. he, obviously, he's like anyone who saw the movie, saw the room and went, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> How do we let's make a story about this dude? And then when the book came out, I'm sure he was like, OK, buy the rights to the book. Let's make right. let's do this. He's mentioned in the book too, uh, uh James Franco. I think. Yes. Tommy says he would only have two people ever play him, Johnny Depp or James Franco. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is before they bought the rights and they were planning. He just said it. Right. Like at a screening or an interview or something. He said, I'll only allow two people to play me. Oh, that's so great. These two really good-looking actors is who he picks. Fantastic. Fantastic, Tommy. And, and James Franco even stayed in character as Tommy was out in between shots while directing the film. So, But I can see that. I could totally see I think that. you kind of have to. I think like it would be hard to go back and forth. You right. could Because it's not just like sort of, oh, get in this emotional state. You're done. And, and I think... You you couldn't flip back and forth between that specific speech like pattern. accent yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. accent weird mumbly oh hi Mark oh hi Mark <laughs> yeah I want my real movie you know like you couldn't just then at lunch be talking regular no but let's, but that's the the thing that was so amazing too about the stinger at the end credits where there's a party scene and the real Tommy comes up and interacts with James Franco as Tommy in the stinger at the end of the movie that was. That alone is worth watching the entire film for because he's just like, who is this guy? Who are you? And they're both talking to each other. And it's just like, and you, I give props to, to James Franco's acting. He wasn't doing like mimicry or an impression. No, he channeled. He was channeling, yeah. 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 I liked before the credits when they compared the original room scene to the James to the Franco recreation. That was so yeah, cool. That was yeah. because then it, that also too made the disaster artist that much more impressive because you saw they went to great care. They didn't give their interpretation. They said they reshot t- pretty much 20 minutes of the original yes. film. 20 yeah. minutes. They, they d- reshot that and movie. <laughs> we're, I mean, the same physicality, yeah. the same. It, it was a couple things were off, but yeah, it was like 90%, 90 yeah. plus percent, like perfect. But it was just like, yeah, the wardrobe, 
And then the original actors that were cast, you're just like, wow. <laughs> the the girl that plays Lisa is a stand-up, but I've never met her. No, really? I Googled her, and I saw a bunch of stand-up clips online, and she had performed at a couple places that I've uh, – like some bar shows and stuff that I've been to, and I was like, oh, my God, I need to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> I need to meet her. <laughs> I wanted to say um, – too so then I want to know what it's like to like have Tommy Wiseau on top of you and have to reshoot that like 9,000 times I know. because you know there was like so many reshoots I know and they're like is she is he having sex with her belly button like, yeah. does he know where <laughs> the vagina is like god damn that was fun Seth Rogen and um, Paul Shear. their their characters I thought played Paul Shear did a great job of playing like a crew guy that's fed up. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably Which is all of them. All of them. <laughs> just fed up. Just enough. It, that's so true. I never thought of that until you said that, but it's true. Yeah. yeah. Just like, what is this guy doing? What's going mm-hmm. on? I mean, even the small scenes like with with showing the whole crew, Charlene Yee. <laughs> so funny. Can we take a picture of continuity? Ah, it's in my head. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's just staring at Continuity, him. what? <laughs> It's so great to have all these people who are like, well, this is how you make a movie. We always do this. And then to have the head person be like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're all just bewildered. It's, like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. We do it this way. The scene where... My favorite scene in The Disaster Artist and in The Room is the same scene. And that's the same scene with Chris R., who is... Uh, the drug dealer. The, the drug dealer. Oh, played by Zach Efron. Is played mm-hmm. by Zach Efron. That is my absolute favorite scene because when I was watching the original of The Room, it's such a jarring scene because you're like watching this like softcore porn and then all of a sudden he's just like screaming like, give me the fucking money. Give me that. You're like, whoa, what, what happens? Like what genre is this film? <laughs> I remember sitting on my couch at home and literally leaping back almost an inch in my seat because I was like, what, like, what genre is this? <laughs> I was like, I thought this was like a romance. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> well, that's what I loved about it is then it you're you're seeing the behind the scenes. So the the Chris Ark or Zach Efron is like, all right, he got hired to play this character. This actor's like, I'm showing up. I'm bringing it. You want me to be the criminal? So you see, they're like tweaking the lights and doing all that stuff, and then he's like, fucking getting himself yeah. fucking ready, and you're just like, oh, this is rad. It was a great role for Zac Efron. Too. It's great. It was, yeah, it was perfect for him because, like, I remember I've watched um, in that uh, a Stanley Kubrick documentary. They show Jack Nicholson on the set of. Um, the Shining, mm-hmm. and they're tweaking the lights and everything, and he's it's like this, getting ready. Yeah, and there's a scene where he <laughs> where he's gonna come in the doorway and go, "Here's Johnny," where he's like nuts chasing his wife. So you see Jack Nicholson. So the Shining. The Shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I said. I thought I said one flew over the cuckoo's nest. No, you're nuts. I said the shining. <laughs> he definitely did not say that, Chris. Wow. Yeah, you could to- I could see how you could totally mix up the shining and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, that's they what sound I heard. alike. Yeah, they did. They sound yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. You said the shining. I thought you said transformer. Yes. <laughs> that would actually make more sense than one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So no, Chris. That's what that- I was thinking in my head. I was like, oh, he's getting ready for it, and then and the, the chief is gonna break the window. Go ahead. <laughs> So no, Chris, that's not that's not what was going on. Apparently, that was what was going on in your brain. Yeah, what was going He's on? He's like Tommy was so. Like things I just go off. Go, yeah, that's what came into my head. I don't know what's going on out here. Continuity? What are you talking about? Yeah, we don't need a picture. 
So yes, for The Shining, yeah, uh, Chris. Yeah, so you see Jack Nicholson, and and you see like he's prepping, prepping, and you see like camera guys like get out of his way. You know what I mean? Because Jack Nicholson is just going. He's, like, he's method. He's method. He's getting mm. nuts. And you see, and so that's <laughs> happening on in the Disaster Artist showing that was I was like it was such a cool. It is sort of behind the scenes on how movies are made, but then specifically this movie and how a bad movie, like people who aren't in the entertainment industry are like, God, how did they make this? How does this happen? Now, The Room is obviously a, a very extreme example, but you see the little pieces that if they aren't put together correctly, you have a mess. You hey, have a mess. I mean, mm-hmm. movie making is hard business. I've been on sets before where- It's the, collaborative effort. The Yeah, the script supervisors and paying attention, the sets. And then you, you know, the final thing, and it's only something that maybe somebody that worked on the film would notice, but you know, maybe we're at dinner and there's a, a, a cup there and we accidentally move the cup, but they have right. to use that shot because that's the shot we got. Yeah. And it just looks really bad. Mm-hmm. So on this, obviously, I don't know if Tommy purposely wanted to look bad or I personally think he's an accidental creative genius. I mean, he's a genius to me. I was entertained every single time I watch, I've watched it now three or four times, I'm entertained. Disaster artist, I was completely entertained by who he was as a person. I don't know if I want to hang out with him and be like best buds. <laughs> and name, name a movie other than Rocky Horror Picture Show that whatever 13, 14 years later is still standing room only, you yeah, know, is sold still out. sold out Has screenings. that cult following. Where, how many movies are doing that? And Our now then get, and then get a movie made about it. Yeah. And refuse distribution and only sell it on your website. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's ma- like no one else has done Tommy this. Tommy wants his profits, okay? He needs to yeah. make back $6 million. Right. <laughs> Which he has. I'm sure he will. He, yeah, and and now this disaster artist film, the room, there's the room screenings are going to be fucking sold out. Right. Like this is going to yeah. up his ticket sales and his. Good and, for him. I haven't done something like I said. I, I haven't done something like that. I know. I him. wish I could do a movie <laughs> from 13 years ago. I did a movie 13, 14 years ago. There's not standing room only people to watch Hello Junkie. You know what I mean? <laughs> they might watch a clip of it on my YouTube channel, but there's no way it's this. Well, it, this is the kind of thing too, where you know they and at the end of the movie you see that. Uh, him and Greg are still making movies. Like yeah. they're still putting, but you know they have a movie coming out in a couple months. Best yeah. friends. But it's the kind of thing where <laughs> fantastic. You know, it's, it looks horrible. But no, it's it's, it's no, never. Rosie. You how know, can you, how could it look? It looks actually horrible though. Like it doesn't. It's it's not the room. No, and it, nothing ever will be. No matter how they could make a hundred movies after the room, they could even I mean, take the same cast and crew, and they probably couldn't make the room. You could yeah. sit there and actively go, "Let's make the craziest, dumbest movie with no continuity and no," and it wouldn't be, it the, wouldn't room. be the room, and it still wouldn't be the room. You couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You couldn't duplicate this ever again. That's why it mm-hmm. is so amazing. Like, <sighs> yeah. And By the uh, way, I had uh, so I actually wanted to comment on something. We got on a tangent. So you were talking about the detail. Mm-hmm. If there was so much detail, and I I guarantee they put it on purpose, the scene where they come up to L.A. into uh, Tommy's pied de terre apartment complex, they open the door. There's a stack of old mail there. There's like you know when they're in his apartment in San Francisco. There's all these knickknacky travel items and knickknacky items. I guarantee you, uh, James Franco went and and talked to Tommy and looked. I mean, Tommy's on set and a lot of the behind the scenes footage and stuff like that too. Oh, so wow. I think they really like went all out, like every detail. I think so. I absolutely, yeah. it absolutely. It felt that way. I mean, yeah. And the scene where him and Mark are leaving, and he's picking Mark up, and his Mark's mom is like, "Who is this guy?" I know. Right? He's like, "What do you want with my son?" <laughs> yeah, she's like, "What do you want with my son?" And mm-hmm. he, and he's like, 
you're the same age as my son. You're 19. <laughs> yeah, I'm 19. Oh, I'm 14. Oh, you look good. This <laughs> is <laughs> craziness. <laughs> it was, I, I can't. Um... He has a YouTube series, I think. Ask Tommy if you guys want to ever, uh, in, just you're bored and you want to enjoy life. <laughs> and it's just asking him like questions about the universe and him giving his little Tommyisms, and they're pretty freaking funny. Oh, that's great. That's so fantastic. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you got to keep the brand going. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing about a guy like this is he's, how you know, this guy is once in a in a million. Like, there's no yeah, who there's else. No Tommy was How well you're gonna ever meet somebody like this? He's not like anyone you've ever met. Mm-mm. So how, I mean. Yeah, it's, it's like the fucking <laughs> yeah. man from Mars or something. It's like uh, he's Ed Wood meets Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get yeah, because me, he meets, funds his own movies. Yeah, has his own studio, distributes them, and uh, just uh, and can't make one. Cult following. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a cult following. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and his fucking shit nuts, right? You know, <laughs> but God bless him, and God bless his film, and and um, you know, kudos to James Franco for. For putting this together, yeah. And yeah. everyone involved in it. It's just mm-hmm. like you're a part of a magical thing. Yeah. Looks, ugh. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> it, it's definitely a good time at the movies. I will say this. Arclight kind of gouged a little bit, um, you know, because it was a limited screening. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that means, like, it's you're getting it a week early. So they upped the ticket prices a little bit. It's $17 for a matinee. Oh, wow. I saw so. it at uh, the AMC in Century City. Yeah, still like fifteen bucks, I think. Sixteen yeah. bucks. Or I went to the ArcLight too. We might have been at the same one. Yeah, probably <laughs> the one in Hollywood because it wasn't playing in the in the. No, valley. no, I mean the same showing. Oh, could be. <laughs> <laughs> I was the one cackling in the back. <laughs> yeah, there were. Yeah, people were loving the movie. Uh, people, yeah. I mean, th- I haven't, and I was laughing. You know, we've talked about, and you said this at the top of the show too. Is like, especially as comedians, we're we're way too judgmental about a, a comedy. Yeah. Like this movie's a comedy, so we're be like, okay, I get that joke, that's right. cool, or whatever. But this movie, I was I was fucking howling, man. Because it's I think it's all character driven. That's what I was gonna too. say. The reason I think it's kind of hard to be judgment, super judgmental about it is because I think as comics, a lot of times we're looking at the jokes, but. The, these are not set up punchline jokes. These are not written jokes. This is just Tommy. Right. Right. What's funny mm-hmm. about it is not. It's not like Tommy's like saying jokes or you know. No. I, I watch you know certain comedies and I'm like really that's the punchline or I'll watch them and I'll, and and I'll judge it that way as a comedian. But there's no comedic writing in this because it's not. You're not writing a joke. You're, it's, he's just being himself. Yeah, this is right. that's this, what the comedy. Yeah, is. yeah I know. I know. It's, <laughs> I know. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's why it was so great. So it's like you can't even judge it like a comic because it's. Like you said, it, it's the man from Mars. It's another dimension. Yeah, of yeah. Us. <laughs> Just his, you know, his acting performance at the beginning. Stella, like, oh, so funny. And like, and, and like, no one in the acting school wants to do a scene with him. Right. <laughs> and it's his like, acting teacher's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" <laughs> He's like, "What are you doing?" Except Mark wants to have an acting He's scene. Like, oh, I really liked your intensity. I really, your intensity <laughs> is really awesome. And he's like, "Why you want to be with me? Why you want to come follow around?" <laughs> Just like. It's, you want to do a scene with me? Yeah. And he gets, okay. he gets out of two book and say that crazy shit in the restaurant. Yeah. Like only wingbird actors would be right. like, yeah, man, you got to be real. It's mm-hmm. funny that you said that because I was thinking that whole time about Greg Siestro's or, or you know, Mark or whatever. I was like, I know guys from acting class like that. They're like, yeah, you got to be method intense. And <laughs> I did that. I was working on a scene um, from... Uh, what is it? This Transformers? This Transformers. <laughs> no, Chris, one I was one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, it's 
the scene where Billy kills himself. It's fun. I did it at a Chipotle. No, that scene, I believe the soldier. And um, so we, there's this scene um, between, I play the white officer, obviously, and- You're white? Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> it's weird. White guy, Graham Elwood. Who would think that that Anglo-y, <laughs> that Anglo-y name would be white? Um, but uh, they made it into a movie um, with Denzel Washington, and but it's about, it's, it's a, uh, an officer was killed in the 40s and when they were first starting to integrate the army for World War II. So it's this, it's this, uh, it's this war, uh, war and race issue thing. So I was playing the white officer and I'm talking to the, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up. What was the name of it? I'm gonna look it up. He doesn't know. Oh. <laughs> He's Googling it. <laughs> uh, the soldier, yes, 1982. Um, so this was, uh, no, this is not it. <laughs> I told you. Universal Soldier? No. Is that? <laughs> soldier Story, maybe. A Soldier Story. This is it. Um, yeah, so it was directed by Norman Jewison. It's uh, blaze, based on the Charles Fuller play. Okay. It had Howard E. Rollins Jr., Adolf Caesar, and... Um, Ooh, someone's named Adolf? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> he, and he's a fantastic actor. So this movie, it was a, it was a Broadway play that they made into a, a movie. And it's it's I highly recommend it. And... So they're investigating this um, this black man was killed, uh, this black uh, sergeant, and they they're on a base that is segregated. So there's a the the black soldiers are on part of the base and the white soldiers and they're getting ready. This is this is how it actually was done, you know. And they sent black uh, units to fight in World War II because they didn't want to integrate right the military. So this guy's killed. And Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's so this guy's killed, and then and then they hi, there's a a new uh, black officer that's investigating it, and so he's got to interview a lot of Southern redneck soldiers, and so it's this whole thing about race and the South and everything. Um, it's, can't be an easy job. <laughs> it's, it's it's not an easy job. So so it's this really good play. So uh, me and the, my mm-hmm. uh, a buddy from my acting class, we're we're working on this scene, and there's this mm-hmm. there's this powerful scene. Where um, they're arguing, you know, that's a, a white. We're the same rank. It's really well written. We're both captains, and I'm not a full-on racist. My character's not a full-on racist, but I'm a white guy in the '40s and the military in the South, so I have some skewed ideas. And so there's a scene, and and we were this, in, we were rehearsing it in class, and the teacher's like, "You guys are too big. You're too yelly. It, it needs to be a little more reserved." So he said, "Go do this scene out in public." And like the N words being thrown around in the script and all this stuff, and we're just like, I'm like, all right, man, you know. And so we we you know we're we're in a a Paquito Moss, but it actually was it in for for this purposes it was it was good for the scene because then we learned how to. Be intense, but not as loud. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Be intense in a public place. (laughs) Yeah. Because, I mean, that's, you know, as a young actor and on a stage actor, you just make everything big and loud. And on film, it's It's like. It's known as the taquito technique. (laughs) (laughs) Created by Graham Elwood. This is my taquito (laughs) acting technique, guys. Um, And really good salsa. (laughs) But so anyway, but that I like watching that scene of these two young actors like do that. I was like, oh, one young actor. One young actor. <laughs> Sorry, Tommy. <laughs> and, and James Franco, who's my age. Um, and I'm 32. 
I uh, meant he was playing Tommy, who was supposed to be a lot older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. James Franco's my age. I'm 48. He's around there. He's right in that wheelhouse. Right. But he's not 19. But he's not. He's not Which 19. is what Greg Siestra no. was playing a 19-year-old. So. <laughs> so yeah, it was. It was uh, that reminded me. What do you me. want with my son? Anyway, what else? Anything else to? I think we covered this uh, movie. Rosie, final Both thoughts. Movies. Since this, since uh, since October, your life has been changed. You saw because of you, actually, Graham. Because <laughs> of you playing the trailer at LA Podfest, my life has been changed. I had to take. Uh, one of my favorite out of the top ten and put the room up there and maybe disaster artist. What got bumped? I'm not sure yet, but I know. over the cuckoo's nest? <laughs> <laughs> Did Chris just say The Shining? <laughs> I thought I heard him say The Shining. So, so you gained a movie and lost a couple. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a lot of ups and downs since yeah. Podfest. A lot of ups and downs. Since, uh, if you guys could have seen their horrified faces, <laughs> I, I mean, I it was like... I, I we started watching it and I thought okay you know they're a little uncomfortable there this there is like an opening sex scene and a threesome scene uh, with Denny a little awkward right I was like okay I get it I get it I'm being patient you and your husband should have started making out or something <laughs> weird you put your hand on her okay, leg or... let me just say I love my friends they're they're two of my best friends in the whole world but if you do not laugh at cheep 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 right. there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. yeah I did not do it I did not do it cheep 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 yeah. <laughs> it's the most insane scene. He wrote it into the script. He wrote the words cheap, cheap, cheap into the script. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> when would in your mind would the words cheap, cheap, cheap ever be like, this is going to be such good dialogue? <laughs> Comedic genius. That's all I have to say. And then the football scene in the alley. And then at the, during the credits when they showed the original scene. The, uh, it's the, and, the, and then that other random couple that had sex in the house. The guy that left his underwear. <laughs> It's like every part. Wait, this is the couple that visited you and your <laughs> husband. <laughs> every part of the film is like literally the opposite of what someone using logical thought would do. Yeah, <laughs> that's the beauty of it because it is a case study. It is a uh, stream of consciousness. Is- <laughs> <laughs> that's a very eloquent way of putting very it. Very polite, Chris. Very polite way of putting it. Uh, all right. Well, Rosie, where can people find you online? I know your podcast. Yes, listen to my podcast, Out of the Box Podcast. I've been on it. Find like- me. You've been on it twice. You're one of only two guests that have been on twice, Graham. Nice. Oh, wow. um, cheep, 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 <laughs> cheep, 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 cheeky, cheeky, or on Twitter at Funny Rosie. Nice. Yeah. Um, guys, the uh, it's official. The FNX uh, stand-up show, Custer's Last Stand-Up, is going to be. We're shooting our first show December seventeenth out in. Uh, at the San Bernardino, uh, the theater on the San Bernardino Valley College campus. Uh, we've got four amazing comics, Leah Mansfield, uh, Sheila Chalaki, Jim Rule, and Mark Yaffe. It's a Native American stand-up show and world indigenous people and just also big name comedians. Um, so if you go to uh, GrahamElwood.com, you'll see the dates there. Uh, so come out December 17th. You're supporting a, a cool new channel. It's only about five or six years old, FNX, First Nation Experience. And uh, tickets are $15, $10 if you have a student ID. Uh, so come on out and support this. I'm directing it. I'm producing it. It's a big deal. Uh, you, so you'd be, be supporting, supporting me and seeing some really cool comics maybe you haven't heard of. And we're going to be doing 13 of these episodes. So please come out to one or more of them if you can. Now people can see it on PBS. Is that where? Yeah. So FNX is carried on a bunch of different PBS channels. It'll be out on the network in the spring. Um, but if you are in Southern California in the next three months, come out. Check out a show. Check out a show. Come to cool. a live taping. You're helping, you know, you can see how TV's made. Very cool. It's really cool. 
So I want to mention, too, the uh, final episode of Conversations from the Abyss has dropped for uh, season one. And this is called uh, Good and Evil, about an angel and a demon who discuss the nature of good and evil in a coffee shop. And it stars uh, Cecil Baldwin from um, Welcome to Night Vale. So uh, check that out, Conversations from the Abyss. That's it. That's our show. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Rosie Tran. Uh, Thank you for coming to PodFest. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and watching our we, show that changed mm-hmm. your life. Um, thank you for alienating your friends. Yes. And, and All in the name of movies. All in the name of movies. I'm glad you texted me so we could have this experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to Aaron Brungard and everybody here at the ATC. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Jeep, 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 jeep. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs>